Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm speaking about, of course, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, the show has finally premiered. What we've all been waiting for, what we've all been giving our money to Disney for, what we've been spanking out in the dollars and just throwing out. Give us Obi-Wan Kenobi right now! This is what it's all for. This is the wait is over. So, to begin this podcast, I'm going to give a big fat spoiler alert spoiler alert to anyone who's not watched parts one and two of the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi I am excited to do this podcast beyond belief because of the character itself before the the series but bringing back Hayden Christensen and Neil McGregor for both parts of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. It's going to be an exciting series to commentate over and to analyze and to draw some of the amazing facts and details that the Disney team have put in and it seems like they've cracked it. They have truly found their footing in taking Star Wars as a universe and actually successfully implementing it. They did with The Mandalorian, not so much with uh, Boba Fett, but they have, and they may do it with Andor, and they also did it with a couple of individual films such as Solo, which I will argue was a good film, and also with um, uh, Rogue One, Rogue One being the more successful of the two. The rest, Mm, not so much. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. Let's dive into Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I want to give a quote on Obi-Wan Kenobi that truly, I think, sums up why he's the perfect representation of the Jedi Order, the remnants of the Jedi Order, why he's the perfect face, the perfect representation of a Jedi. He is the mixture of both Yoda and of Mace Windu. He has the wisdom of Yoda, and he also has the fierceness of Mace Windu, but he doesn't have the arrogance of Mace Windu, nor does he have the blindness, it seems, to an extent of Yoda, apart from what I'm going to get into. And so here's here's the quote that, that I've really liked. Um, it's you know, a really interesting take for from my part. You can kill me, but you'll never destroy me. It takes strength to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. Now, Obi-Wan Kenobi there is t- talking to Darth Maul in, I believe, the throne room of Mandalore, where he's about to fight him again for the manyth time during the Clone Wars. And so Obi-Wan Kenobi, to me, is is a character who represents true belief in the Jedi Order and this show starts off with him actually on the opposite end where he's given up almost and it looks like he's just a shadow of his former self because what's happened before the show is that he's had to what he believes he's killed Anakin he's also um, basically the whole of the Jedi Order everything he believed in everything that he's known since he was a child is gone and all that's left is his one mission to look after the young Luke, Anakin's son. And so there's this almost hopelessness to the show that's brought in. And we are first introduced to this by the first thing we see in the show is at Order 66. The time has come. Execute Order 66. And that's fantastic. I love that. They bring it in. They want to remind us. They want to have us click. Oh, this is what's just happened. Look at the savagery that's happening. Look at all the the death, the destruction 
the the pure chaos behind the actual order being executed and it's really nice i think that disney dave filoni included have had little inklings drops of information of where they've placed order 66 it was really tastefully put in within rebels and within um clone wars the end of clone wars season seven specifically uh, it's got this really dark vibe around now better than almost like each time we see it and i think also within the clone trooper series it's going to come back to me um the 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 rogue rogue crew of um experimental unit clone force 99 the defective clones with the uh, desirable mutations 99 eh huh. nice touch they call themselves the bad batch of, of clone troopers who are oddballs i forgot that for, completely forgot the name of the show but they also have it in there where it's from the uh, clone troopers perspective which we also get a nice little snippet in of seeing an old clone trooper in obi-wan kenobi's part two of the second episode and it's really intriguing having these little you know almost bit of nostalgia but also a tip of the hat to George Lucas. A tip of the hat to be able to say, look, this welcome to the new world, but also thank you for the old times as well. And that's what's so good about this show, is that we don't only just have a look at the old Star Wars and we say, well, thank you, George Lucas here. Thank you, Ewan McGregor, for your fantastic, and, and Hayden Christensen, to your fantastic time in the prequels. But also, look what we've got here in Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've got a broken Obi-Wan. We've got a new group of bad guys in the Inquisitors going through relentlessly just murdering, killing, and maiming people left, right, and center without a thought about it. You have the last of the Jedi on the ropes and hiding and no longer being the keepers of the peace that they used to be, but really rats in the desert hiding away from what, you know, from warriors to, you know, basically beggars and so it is a complete contrast to what we're seeing in the character of a warrior to to rags to riches or ri riches to rags i think this is what everyone gets wrong in the prophecy of star wars where they say that uh that anakin was going to bring balance to the force well he did bring balance to the force the jedi for many a year and i talked about this in plagius uh, the Plagius podcast, and if you haven't watched that already, go, please do. You'll get some information on the background behind the Phantom Menace and before the execution of Order 66. Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the same position as the Sith were in before Phantom Menace. There's remnants. There's nothing left. They've got to build from the bottom up. And this is what the balance to the Force is. Two Sith to two Jedi. Now we only know two recognized Jedi in this period of time. Yoda and Obi-Wan. Now there are many other Jedi Knights who have throughout the galaxy. We also know, um, Jade, it's not Jaden, the gentleman from Rebels. We've got uh, the, yeah, I wanted to say Yelonoso, it's not. It's, I want, it is Jaden. Jaden? No, I forgot his name. But from Rebels, you've got the two, the kid and the gentleman. I forgot their names off the top of my head. I, I know that's terrible. But you've got multiple Jedi out there who are throughout the galaxy. Obviously, Ahsoka Tano is out there as well. There's, there's quite a few. But the two that are masters, masters of the Force, masters of the Jedi, 
are Yoda and Obi-Wan. There are no others. And so you have to consider that there's only two true Sith as well. There is the Emperor and there's Vader. Equal force. Now, Obi-Wan looking after Luke, the new hope, the hope for the galaxy, the new Jedi, potential. We even get the conversation between Owen and Luke and uh, Kenobi saying he needs to be trained and Owen saying, no, I won't have it because you destroyed his father and you'll do the same to, to the son. And it is this brilliant sort of repetition and sense that would, you know, there's a look in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's eyes like, would I? Would it happen again? Because it's, he's also, he, he understands that he did, he understands that it was his part that he did indeed lead Anakin down to the dark side in some sense. And we can argue that in the sense that he allowed Anakin to believe that he was the chosen one and that he had all this pressure and that there was a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot for him to take from it. And there was a build of arrogance, there's a build of self-awareness. And maybe if Qui-Gon had been alive and hadn't lost a more, there may not have been that. And there may have been a different route. But we're not here to discuss that. So we've got Obi-Wan. He then is introduced back into the fold by Senator um, Leia's dad, basically, adopted father. And so the adopted father comes in, Senator Organa, there we go, click, uh, Senator Organa comes to him for his help because the way to lure out Obi-Wan Kenobi was through the Senator because they were friends during the war. Now, this is interesting because I don't remember seeing Senator Organa and Obi-Wan Kenobi communicating very much throughout the Clone Wars, nor through uh, the movies apart from the end of the Re Revenge of the Sith. So it's kind of interesting to see that there was that link sort of kind of made. It was a bit of a tenuous link, if I'm honest, but that's fine. We'll move on. The Inquisitors find out, and we are zoned in on this one Inquisitor, the third sister. It's really intriguing because the Grand Inquisitor to me, who's from Rebels, you know, he's he's such a, a, a interesting character. He is the old temple guard of the Jedi Temple. He's been turned to the dark side, and he is utilizing his knowledge of the Jedi to be able to hunt them down. And his belittling of the third sister actually brings them closest to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so by using that sort of belittlement and looking down upon and using this dark force upon them, it is he brings out the best in the third sister in the sense that she understands how to track down Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think she's going to be a fantastic character to follow throughout the series because she clearly has some link to Vader or some sort of tenuous link between uh, the wanting to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. I have a feeling when we see the first temple, when we see the execution of Order 66, she's one of the younglings. And I think Vader finds her and doesn't kill her. I think that she may be one... They mentioned that they, when they found her, she was on the streets, rags to becoming an Inquisitor. But I think there's more to it than that. And it could be something that we see developed down the line. I'm hoping so. I'm, I really am. I really hope that they take that character and, and, re and really push for her to 
have some sort of backstory that involves Anakin and slash Vader in there. I'm also intrigued to see where Hayden Christensen comes in, because we don't see Vader until right at the end of part two. And we don't really see any of it. We just hear a mentioning, which I love. I love that. I love when a character's not shown. We don't need to see Vader. We just need to hear a whisper, whisper in the name. And it's this darkness around him that we don't really... He's so powerful. He's so, you know, out there at the moment that we know that he has this ability to just be mentioned. And he puts fear into the, the very galaxy. And it's the same when Obi-Wan realises that Anakin's alive. He thinks he's killed him by maiming him at the beginning of... But I, you, you think that after, you know, chopping Maul in half and him coming back multiple times that he would have understood that Anakin's alive. But nonetheless, it's, it's understandable that he thought he was dead because he was burned to a crisp and probably should have died if it wasn't for the Emperor. And it's really interesting to see the PTSD that he goes through where he's having these dreams and when he realises that Anakin's still alive, it's really this, oh my god... Oh no, it's it's a mixture of so many emotions, and I think Ewan McGregor's portrayal of that is perfect. It's almost like a war, um, war-torn warrior coming back from war and having that look in his eye. You know, the glassy look where they're like thinking about something extremely traumatic coming back to them. It was that look, and I I, I truly love that. I, I really thought he nailed it, and I'd love to know um, if you were to compare him and Bill Burr, because that's what Bill Burr did in the Mandalorian where they take the PTSD moment of him looking at somebody who ordered him to commit genocide basically it looked very similar and I'd love to know if a a soldier out there who is someone who's actually gone through it would see that whether the acting was correct or not so it's intriguing nonetheless these little things so I want to jump into Leia the Leia scenes I knew we were building up to something. I didn't quite understand where we were going with bringing her into the series. But I understand that the only way to get to, you know, Obi-Wan is through Luke and Leia. That's the only way. And they don't know that Luke and Leia are, you know, know, Darth Vader's children. But we can get some sort of link somewhere to be able to build the series from somewhere. There's got to be an antagonism to Obi-Wan, there's got to be some sort of cause and effect. The cause is Leia gets kidnapped, the effect is Obi-Wan going out to rescue her. And I think the same will be done throughout the series with Luke and Leia. They'll be the only two ways, or through Senator Organa asking for his help in the future to be able to find more Jedi, complete new missions. It is a mini-series, so we don't know what we're getting, really. I think it's going to be so popular because of the detail that they've put in, not only through the excellent Uh, sort of visual effects the costume design all of this stuff that's going on which we don't even think about that is epic by disney as well the the level of investment they've placed in this is beyond brilliant so there's that uh, and then there's also the fact that people are going to want a part two they're going to want another series it's going to be so i think it's going to become one of the most watched series of all time within the disney platform but also just period because everyone my age group who loves star wars will be watching this it's prequel heaven it is for all of those kids who love the memes who love the star wars era who love that period of time they're going to be going in and there's there's so many reasons why number one you mcgregor comes back in and he absorbs this character like he was only playing it yesterday he comes in he plays the hermit 
he he does the Ben Kenobi part really well, and then he also shows that he can get back into the action. And there's also this link, like as if Obi Wan may have lost his connection to the Force as well, where he tries to contact Qui Gon and he can't quite get there, and then he's very reluctant to use the Force until part two. He's very reluctant to go get his lightsaber because he knows it's what he used to kill Anakin. I think there's a level of reluctancy to use a weapon that he's murdered someone with, even if it is a Sith Lord now. And it's this is intriguing, because he's killed Grievous, he's killed Maul, I say killed Maul, like three times, uh, he, he has dispatched of Sith, and he's fought many times with it. So it's intriguing to see that he draws the line at Anakin, and soon to be fighting Vader. Whether they cross swords or not is another question, because in A New Hope, it, they make it out to seem as if Vader and him haven't seen each other between Vader becoming Vader and Obi-Wan you know, meeting him in The New Hope. So I'll be really intrigued to see where Disney take it in this series, whether they meet again or whether there's just the Inquisitors having to try and deal with Obi-Wan. I'm also really interested to see how Disney play that as well, because Obi-Wan has defeated the most powerful Siths in, you know, all of Star Wars. He is the most powerful Jedi that's ever existed, and... Because the, the argument was that Anakin was. He was the Chosen One, and he still dispatched the Chosen One. And so, Obi-Wan, to me, is the most powerful Jedi. And so, I love the idea that at some point he's going to take on these Inquisitors, and these Inquisitors are going to find out very quickly that they are outmatched and outgunned because this is Obi-Wan Kenobi we're talking about. And it's going to be the most interesting period of time, you know, battle sequences I'm hoping to see. I'm hoping to see slaughter on their part. I'm hoping to see that the arrogance of the Inquisitors is going to be cut in half and that Obi-Wan will come out on top throughout. Because all we've seen him use is a blaster so much. I wish they chucked in a so uncivilized in there. So uncivilized. Like, I would love to have him just been like, oh god, so uncivilized after shooting like multiple times with the gun uh, in the scene where he's fighting off the bounty hunters. That would have been brilliant. I'm not sure how I felt about um, Raj being used. I, I think his last name's Raj. I forgot his name totally off the top of my head. But he plays. Do, 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 do. I should probably have the, the IMDB page put up at the moment. But he, he is the pretend Jedi in there. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that. It felt like a a bit of a comic slash period piece of where we went to laugh at that or not. I, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't really for me. Um, personally, I think we could have just removed him altogether. Uh, I didn't like the character really and, and was just like, what's the point really? Uh, I think that the Inquisitor being stabbed by the third sister was interesting. Because if the timeline's correct, and if I, my Star Wars knowledge is on point, and usually is, the Inquisitor doesn't die until he fights in Rebels. And so he doesn't die by the third sister's hand. So I'm now questioning whether there's multiple Grand Inquisitors, all from the Temple Guard of the same race, or whether he survives that stab. It is really interesting to see whether that they're going to keep this consistency and whether Dave Filoni's had his hand in keeping this consistency as well. 
there's a lot to think about here in the fact that how are we going to play this out by keeping the timeline correct, by linking it to the rest of the Star Wars universe, but also expanding upon some of the stuff that all of the fans love and know that they want to see. Obviously, this is where the fun begins. This is where the fun begins. And so, what I would love to see, now that we've seen the beginning of Obi-Wan, where he is on Tatooine, Tatooine being his base, and then going off planet to save Leia and to be able to get her back to, to Senator Organa, what's the next mission? What is going to be the relationship between Obi-Wan and the Inquisitors? Because he can't just keep fending them off all the time, basically. There is this question of how long is it going to take for him to be able to basically reveal himself. Because, again, to keep this timeline going, Maul struggles to find Obi-Wan. And Maul is basically a hunter. He's basically what the Sith would have called uh, like an assassin, a Sith assassin. He wasn't a true Sith Lord. He was used as a way to be able to assassinate certain um, Jedi or certain people of interest to the Sith. And that's what Plagueis used him for. He said to uh, Palpatine originally, you don't want to make him a Sith. You just want to make him a Sith assassin. He is subordinate to us. He is used as a pawn in our place to be able to take off other pieces off the chessboard. And so Obi-Wan now is in a space where, where they can take him anywhere. There is an unlimited... There is no longer apart from the timeline for the rest of the Star Wars universe, they can make Obi-Wan between the New Hope and Revenge of the Sith do so many things. I want to see fights. I want to see some sort of connection between Vader. I want to see the Inquisitors involved more because I love those characters. They're so cool. They're interesting. I love the spinny, sticky lightsaber thingy. <laughs> uh, that's what it should be named from now on. And I love the use of the soundtrack the use of Order 66, the remnants of the Star Wars universe, the little references here and there. I hope they build on that. I hope that the next few episodes, they are as long as they are, because they were it was 55 minutes the first episode and then 40 minutes the second one. Fantastic. That's exactly what the, what the crowd are looking for, for their first little taster of the Star Wars universe being back in action. This is anticipation, and they've given us a little taster. A real good taster as well, because it's brought us to a perfect point in, in, in the series where anything can happen. Obi-Wan is back in action. He has both lightsabers. He has this new connection with the Force. I want to see Qui-Gon back in. I want to see Liam Neeson back in this series. Because if they can bring in the guy who played Owen... If they can bring in the guy who played Senator Organa, all, all the back from the series, and if they can bring in Hayden Christensen as well, they can bring in Liam Neeson. And they better do. And I really, really, really hope that it doesn't get spoiled. I hope it doesn't, you know, leak or anything along those lines. I want it to be a secret. I want to see it in one of the episodes, and I want to click on it and be like, boom, here we are. Connection to Force Ghosts. Like Luke to Kenobi, we have Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan and it's so on and so forth and it should be that way this is this is it this is a message to Disney Disney has this they've created two fantastic episodes with a Coruscant like planet 
They've got Tatooine, which they can always rely on as a fantastic base planner. But from here on out, they have so much to work with. And so there is a high expectation, a high bar they've set for themselves here. Because they've got the two characters that every prequel lover's going to love. They've got all of the background. They've got all of these things to, to work with. They've got all of the Star Wars uh, rituals and books and background series to work with. They've got Rebels to be able to utilize as well. They've got Ahsoka as well as a character to bring in. They could even utilize that further down. The question is whether they have the gall to do so. And that's what I'm really intrigued to see. Do they have the gall to, to take those risks? And I hope they have. I hope some of the Star Wars creators really knew that they had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to take these characters. Obi-Wan is so cool because he is a balanced character. And he's relatable. He's a character who's been killed his best friend, his brother. His brother is dead to him. And then we realize that his brother is alive and he's now becoming the biggest badass in the universe. And this is what I want to see. I want to see the evil villain Vader. That's what I want to see. Because the comic books, they bring... I want to see the, uh, the meme of him surrounded by rebels and them saying, you're surrounded, Vader. And then him going, all I'm surrounded by are dead men. And that's what I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see that version of Vader versus Obi-Wan. And this, the true dark side of the Force. Because we need to have... We've got a light protagonist in Obi-Wan. We need the complete opposite in Hayden Christensen of the pure dark side. The, the orange and yellow eyes, it's here. And Disney have unlimited resources. And so this series, like I said, could be potentially the biggest win for them this could mean that all franchises franchises or franchises <laughs> that they put forward could be winners because if they get this right it's obi-wan forever it's they they can keep going all the way up into the new hope and you could milk it you really could and i'd keep watching and i know for a fact a lot of my friends would as well because we love these characters. So if they can continue the integrity of the character, continue these little stories. Leia, introduce her. What is she like? Well, she's like Padme. Fantastic. She's got the stubbornness. She's got the qualities that we know. We can relate. It's a nice little tip of the hat to the old world and then to the new world. Oh, she's got a mother and father who are new. It's a new world. This is it and this is also an introduction to a planet that gets nuked by the death star are we gonna see the building of the death star are we gonna hear that plagius's plans because they were by the way the death star was originated by palpatine and plagius not just by palpatine this is it and so it's it's very intriguing to see whether they link it to rogue one as well anyway maybe i've gone all over the place one thing that I do want to like end this podcast with, to relate Obi-Wan back to why he's also the face of the Jedi Council for the rest of the universe, throughout the Star Wars universe and through this period of time, is this. He does the last transmission sent by the Jedi Order, and he says this. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the Temple. That time has passed, and our future is uncertain. We will each be challenged. Our trust, our faith, our friendship. But we must preserve, and in time, a new hope will emerge. May the Force be with you, always. And I've got, you know, I've got this little note put here. And I think the transmission is truly important because it resembles the last remnants of the Jedi Order. Obi-Wan's the face of the Order. For what? For he saw the dark side right under his nose, right next to him. And he did nothing about it, just like the Order did with Darth Sidious. And just like I said earlier on, his link between Yoda, Mace Windu, for he has their strengths, but he also has their weaknesses. And so it brings us full circle. This series is almost like a mistake by Obi-Wan, in the sense that his failures are the re we see the repercussions now of these failures and how the dark side has grown to such an extent that the only way for the balance of the force is to create that new emerging hope which is luke and to protect that he must keep tattooing as a base fight on and be able to maybe go on a few adventures that may include some jedi artifacts i'm hoping some new worlds, some new characters, the inclusion of Qui-Gon Jinn as a force ghost, maybe. The inclusion of Darth Vader in his final form of evil. And maybe even some more Leia and some more Senator Organa introducing different quests and different paths to different planets. That's a good way of thinking about it. So... I hope you've heard, like enjoyed this rambling from me while I'm in Vienna at the moment. I'm sorry I didn't have any nice background for you at the moment. I couldn't find the right lighting, the right place to record. Uh, next week, I'll be back in Zeal's Dorset and then off again later uh, in the following week. So this will be a reoccurring theme of me having different backgrounds behind me <laughs> at the moment. But it does not matter for I shall be producing as many podcasts as ever. So... I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This has been the Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now. <laughs>